0: to see. So glad each and every one of you are here. If you are new with us today, my name's Aaron and I am one of the pastors here. We're incredibly grateful that you are with us today, that you maybe accepted an invitation. You saw a road sign, saw something online, whatever it was that got you in this room today. We're incredibly grateful uh, and truly honored to have you with us. If you're not in a hurry today, I'll be out at Next Steps when we're done, which is out in the docks area. And I'd love the opportunity to meet you if I haven't already gotten that opportunity. So hopefully you'll take me up on that. Well, if you were to come into my office for any reason, uh, you would see this. And the reason I have this in my office is because it reminds me of something. I would go as far as to say it reminds me of a defining moment that happened in my life. Uh, Many years ago, I got the opportunity to go to Djibouti, Africa. And if you're familiar with that country, uh, then you know it's 98% Muslim. And because it's 98% Muslim, it's what they call a closed country. And so we couldn't go over there openly as missionaries uh, and talk about Jesus. And so we went over there underneath the banner of sports. And so we brought with us a a bunch of brand new soccer balls that were, of course, not inflated yet. We brought them in our suitcases, deflated, and we brought them over there. We were going to run some soccer camps for the kids and just start to develop some relationships. Well, one of the days, uh, our host, who was Djiboutian, Uh, walked us through what they would have considered the slums of the particular city that we were in. And we noticed some boys that were kicking around a ball. Well, you really (laughs) couldn't call it a ball. It was a bunch of shredded rubber. It was actually this right here. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking like, man, we've got an opportunity to bless the socks off these kids. We've got all these brand new soccer balls. And so we ran back and grabbed one of the brand new balls, inflated it, brought it back, and we're feeling good about ourselves. And it's like, man, here you go, boys, you know, Kick your hearts out. About 15 minutes later, some teenagers came. And they started beating these boys, literally beating them. And we didn't know what to do and so we were kind of just looking to our host who again was Djiboutian, and he started to talk with another adult that was in the area and it seemed like that adult knew these teenage boys and went over and kind of grabbed them by the ear one of those moments and, and took the ball from them and ultimately came to the conclusion that maybe this adult should hold on to the ball and when the teenage boys weren't around that they could give the ball back. You see these teenage boys saw an opportunity to sell this ball and they were kind of taking advantage of that opportunity and so when I look at this ball it reminds me that even though I think something is good, maybe it's not the wisest thing to do. And maybe instead, before I come to a conclusion because I think I know what's best, maybe I should just ask a few questions first. And so it was a defining moment in my life that in order to actually move forward, not with what, just what we think is the right thing to do, but what's the wise thing to do, maybe you should lead, we should lead our lives with questions. Do you know that Jesus asked over 300 questions? in his ministry throughout the Gospels. And so I would call this a memento. Today we're continuing in this series called Memento where we're looking at the parables of Jesus, several of the parables of Jesus. And if you're new to the church, if you're new to Christianity, I think it's worth me taking just a few moments to describe the brilliance behind parabolic teaching. Uh, If you go back during the time of Jesus, rabbis would have often followed a principle or two principles in their teaching called Halakha and Haggadah. Now, Halakha was a way for them to represent part of the law. It was a way for them to represent what we would call a truth statement. And so to give you an example of maybe the way that Jesus used this, he would say, judge not or you too will be judged. That was halakha, it was a truth principle. And then they would typically back that up with something called haggadah. And haggadah was a way to illustrate that point, to kind of elaborate on that truth principle. And so again, the way that Jesus would have done this in this example, the truth statement would have been, judge not or you too will be judged. And then the haggadah would be, don't point out the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye when you've got a plank in your own. Now that's what good rabbis would have done. But great rabbis would have followed that up With a parable. Great rabbis would have told stories to better identify with their audience in a way to help them to retain what was being taught, and also something that they could think back on to where they could relate in their daily lives on the truth principle that the rabbi would have taught them. And Jesus, (laughs) Jesus was the best at this. Bless you, by the way. We're Christians, guys, come on. <laughs> last week, we kicked this off. Dr. T kicked us off. Man, if you missed last week, you missed a powerful message. I would encourage you to go back and watch it if you happen to miss it. Dr. T kicked us off by looking at the parable of the prodigal son. And he talked about how no matter how far you have walked away from God, no matter how far you've ventured away from God, that if you'll just come back to the Father, if you'll turn around and come back to the Father, God will embrace you. In other words, in short, no matter what you've done, the Father is not done with you. Amen? No matter what you have done, the Father is not done with you. And to help to kind of cement that into your mind, we gave you a memento. And I've still got mine on. If you were here last week, you got a little silicone ring. And our hope is that you'll wear it for at least a month. And every time you look at that silicone ring, you're reminded of the Father's love. You're reminded that no matter what you have done, no matter matter how far you have walked away from the Father, if you will turn around and come in his direction, he will embrace you. And so hopefully you still got your ring and you're wearing it and you're looking at it to be reminded of the Father's love. Now, today what I want to do is I want to look at a different parable, a very short but significant parable. And based on the memento that you already received when you walked in today, maybe you've already concluded what the parable is going to be. In Matthew chapter 5, we read the words of Jesus when he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. That's not the point of light. That would defeat the purpose of light if we were to hide it. I'm going to take this down really quick. I'm afraid I'm going to knock it off. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, if you've been studying God's word for any amount of time, then this parable is likely very familiar to you. And again, being familiar with something is not a negative thing. That's not a bad thing, but I would tell you it can be when we start to become so overly familiar with something that we stop taking in its significance. When maybe we start to become passive about the point that's being made because again, we're just so familiar with what's being said. And I would tell you that if we make that error with this particular parable, that if we were to make that error with this particular parable, we will miss out on incredible significance when it, comes to, when it comes to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In these four simple statements that Jesus just made, I would tell you that there is incredible significance. And to help us to kind of dive a little bit more deeply into this parable to, to discover some of that significance, what I'd like to do is I want to read a few more passages where the metaphor of light is being referenced. I want to read some passages, and then I'm even going to add in a little bit of science. And I would encourage us, again, no matter how familiar you are with that parable, that we would just kind of step back, broaden our scope a bit, and look and see if there's even more significance to this parable, to these four sentences, than we have potentially taken in in the past. In John chapter 1, we read this, in the beginning, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We're talking about Jesus here. He was with God in the beginning. And keep in mind, in the beginning, there was no light. Through him, Jesus, all things were made, including light. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Life is only in existence because of Jesus. And that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it now I want to take a second and help us to see something that potentially we would overlook if you've never taken science and aligned it with the scriptures and I, I would encourage you to do this because they align more than you think they do how many of you know what the three primary colors of light are anybody yeah what are they RGB, RGB, RGB uh, red, green, and blue. Does anybody know what you get when you combine those three primary colors of light? You get the purest form of white. When you combine the three primary colors of light, you get the purest form of white. And do you know what doesn't exist in the purest form of white? Even a hint, even a hint of darkness. Darkness. God is light. He's light. And he wants a part of that light to be inside of us. Now, I'm not going to read it, but I do want to share it. In Revelation chapter 21, we get to hear about the return of Jesus and what that looks like. When Jesus comes back and he combines a heaven and earth, and a new heaven and a new earth are created, you know what goes away? The sun and the moon. You know why we won't need a sun and a moon? Because God's glory is enough to illuminate everything. It's beautiful. John, in First John chapter one, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is what? He's light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light, as God is the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me jump over to Luke chapter 11. No one lights a lamp. This is is Jesus speaking. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden. Again, this defeats the purpose of light or puts it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Now, Jesus is going to take us about two layers deeper, so hang on. Your eye, your eyes, they're the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. So see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp is shining its light on you. And that brings me back to the parable of Jesus. Jesus tells us that he wants us to be a light in this dark world. And he wants us to be a light so that others can what? So that others can see but then he also talks about that depending on what we allow our eyes to see is directly related to the amount of light that can be within us, that the amount of light that can be illuminated for others to see. And so if I were to sum that up really quick, I would say Jesus is trying to help us to see that he wants us to not only be to be a light in a dark world, but to pay more attention to what we're paying attention to. I would encourage you to write that down this morning. That we need to, if we want to illuminate the light of Jesus to a dark and dying world, if we want to to be a, a beacon, if we want to be a lighthouse for people that are living in darkness to see that there's a different way, that God's got something better, that we have to pay attention to what we're paying attention to because depending on what we allow our, our eyes to see will depend on how much we can allow the light of Jesus to be illuminated within, within us. I want you to hold that thought and then I want to ask you this question what causes you to pause? This is actually a really fun question to talk about. Maybe you could talk about it around dinner tonight with your family. Maybe you could talk about it within your small group. What causes you to pause? Like, is it a beautiful scenery? Is it maybe a car wreck on the side of the road and hopefully it doesn't just cause you to be curious but you take a moment to pray? Is it, is it the death of a loved one that causes you to pause? Is it the birth of a child? Is it a moment of worship where you feel the presence of God more deeply and all of a sudden it just causes you to pause? What causes you to pause? Do you know that the popular social media sites like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube actually pay attention to what causes you to pause? That as you're scrolling through the reels, if something causes you to pause and actually take in more deeply whatever it is that you're looking at, that there's an algorithm that's going to be created around whatever is causing you to stop, whatever is causing you to pause, and an algorithm is going to be created around that so they, they can actually give you more of what you want to see. If you were to look at, at mine, it's usually four-wheeling videos and fly fishing and land cruiser builds to which if you listen really closely, you'll hear my, my wife shaking your head right now because it probably consumes a little bit too much of my time. What's your algorithm? And is it allowing more light into your life? Or is it allowing more darkness? And if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now, it's okay. That's the Holy Spirit. It's not guilt. That's conviction. That's God reminding you he's got something better. He's got something better, but depending on what you allow your eyes to see will determine the amount of light that he can actually put inside of you, which is why I think it's incredibly important, church, it's incredibly important to begin our day maybe focusing on this psalm to be still, can I say it differently, to pause and know that he is God. He is light, and he wants his light to be inside of you. Maybe that's why we should start our day maybe in prayer, just being reminded that we need to approach our day with a different perspective than the world typically does around us. Maybe you need to start your day being in God's word. For my wife and I, we have learned that we need to start our day on our knees as often as possible beside our bed, just inviting God to lead us that day. I don't do this as often as I'd like, but I've been doing it more often recently just inviting God, God, would you guide me today because you are the light. God, would you help me to have a different perspective? Would you help me to be reminded that I have the, the potential today to cause someone else to pause? I have the potential. You have the potential today, tomorrow and the next to cause someone to pause and to see that there's something different, that God's got something better. If the light that comes from God is directly who he is, if he puts that inside of you and you allow more of it inside of you because of you paying attention, more attention to what you're paying attention to, that you, your life can cause someone else else to pause and take an assessment of their own life, maybe starting to question, is this really what I'm here for? Or does God have something greater for me? You, you, God. You, you. You. You, 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 you have the potential to cause someone else to pause. Let that settle in this morning. And if we actually carry that kind of influence with us, if we carry that kind of potential with us, is it worth taking some time today to take an assessment of what we're paying attention to? what we're allowing our eyes to see determining how much of God's light we can actually illuminate. And I would tell you that you have a very real enemy that is wanting to point out the fact that there's darkness in your life. And so if this helps anyone today, let me just go ahead and confess and be transparent. I do too. There's still darkness in my life. There's still darkness in your life. And there's an enemy that's trying to convince each and every one of us that you really don't need to spend that much more time on this because that darkness, it'll always be there. And how much could your little bit of light, how much could your little bit of light actually change anything? To which I would tell you, listen to me, a little bit of light can go a long way. To illustrate that, I'm gonna do something really quick. I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and hit the lights for me um, this morning. And nobody else light up their light yet. If you were to try to find your way out of this room right now, it would be pretty difficult. But if I were just to light up my light, I could probably help you get out of here. Just one little light. This light is no more of one centimeter in size. Let me do this. If you're a student in here this morning, if you're a teenager, if you're in middle school or high school, where you turn on your light, Just hold it up, turn it up. Keep it up. Guys, don't ever let anyone tell you that your light doesn't make a difference. That maybe speaking up and standing up for your faith, yeah, it might not make you more popular, but please listen to me this morning. It might cost someone else to pause. Don't succumb to the pressures that are around you guys. Listen to me. God's got a greater purpose for you, so I want you to let your light shine. You can turn off your light. If you're a teacher or a school administrator or a business owner, will you turn on your light? Guys, please don't minimize your influence. Don't minimize what could happen if you were to speak up for your convictions when Maybe everybody around you is telling you to keep going, just kind of jump into the current of the culture. Teachers, please listen to me. Don't worry about what other teachers may think or what other students even may think if you were to speak up and and let the administration know, you know what, I'm not okay with this. I don't think this is actually what's best for these kids. Let your light shine. You can turn your light off. All the dads in the room, will you turn on your light? Gentlemen, do not underestimate your influence with your kids. Maybe you have messed some things up. Welcome to the club. Maybe you weren't the best example in the past. Maybe you have been disengaged for a while. Listen to me. If you're not dead, God is not done with you. Step back up to the plate. It is never too late to become an intentional father. Listen to me. You've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. Let your light shine. If you're a follower of Jesus, where you turn on your light? Trace, a little bit of light can go a long way. Let your light shine so that, listen to me, when people are trying to find their way to healing, they know that someone else knows the way and they know that they can look to you because of how you've allowed your light to be illuminated over the years can turn off your light. If you're a Tennessee fan or Patriot fan, (laughs) I just needed to know who we need to ask to leave. Uh, Turn on the lights. You can turn the lights now. (laughs) I I couldn't resist. There are a lot of groups that I could have mentioned. There are a lot of groups that I didn't mention. And so here's the collective calling to all of us, church. Let your light shine wherever you are. Let your light shine wherever you are. Because this world needs it. There's too much darkness. There's too much darkness to hide your light. There's too much darkness to not speak up. There's too much darkness to not show people what Jesus looks like. Be the light wherever you're at at home, in the classroom, at church, at the restaurant, at the ball game. Probably need to say that one again, at the ball game. In your small group, on your sports team, let your light shine. A little bit of light can go a long way. Do you know that in 2021, more people searched for how to be healed. More people search for healing than any other time in Google's history. In 2021, a lot of people are living in darkness right now. There's a lot of people that are broke on hope. There's a lot of people that are drowning in despair listen to me there are some people that have made some decisions and some of us can identify with this there are some people that have made some decisions and whatever decision they made led them to having a secret and instead of confessing that secret and revealing that secret they have concealed it and you've heard me say this before what we want to conceal the most is typically what we need to reveal the most because when we conceal it what we do is we retreat to corners of darkness and we try to remedy that darkness with with things that actually lead us to more darkness And so I'm here to tell us this morning that when people, because there's going to be a lot of people, or maybe, let's just, let's narrow it down. Maybe there's just one person within your sphere of influence, within your lifetime that realizes that they don't want what they have, that there's something more. They understand that God maybe has something more. And when they're living in that darkness, do you know what becomes more apparent? Light. Light. And so if you've illuminated the life of Jesus at all in their life when they finally realize that they don't want to be stuck in whatever they're stuck in any longer and they feel like if God is out there that he might have something better and they start reaching because that's what we do when we're, we're in darkness, we start reaching. Maybe you become their lighthouse. Maybe you become the person that they see that they can reach out to because based on how you have reflected the light of Jesus, they see that there can be a better way. I changed the ending of my sermon last night because I felt God led me to, to begin with. And I want to speak to maybe just a specific audience to kind of close out our time uh, maybe this is something that you watch online if you, you're catching the sermon at a later date. Maybe somebody sends you this. But I want to talk to people that maybe are hurting in this room right now. And I want to begin by reading to you an exchange that Dr. Jordan Peterson had when he was asked the question what is real? It's a pretty simple question. What is real? And he begins to give an explanation and what he does is he kind of of has a conversation with himself and so everything that I'm about to read is Jordan Peterson going back and forth kind of with himself, both asking a question and then answering it. So he says this, he goes, what is real? And he knocks on something, matter. Matter is real. Okay, that's one answer. Well, what else is real? Well, what matters is real because that's how we act, right? Right? OK, well then, if that's real, then what is the most real of what matters?" To which he answers, "Well, how about pain? Well, why is that the most real? We'll try arguing it away. <laughs> Good luck. So pain is the fundamental reality. Well, that's kind of rough. Doesn't that lead to hopelessness? Yeah. Well, then, is there anything more fundamental than pain to which he begins to weep? Yeah. Love. Really. If you're in pain, love and truth, it's all you got. And you know that if they are more powerful than pain, then maybe they are the most real things we have if you've ever gone through a difficult season, if you've ever gone through a painful season and nobody showed up for you, that unfortunately you learned the wrong way and the hardest way you learned just how significant, just how powerful somebody else's presence could have been in your life. You see, I would tell you that one of the greatest gifts that we can give to anyone is presence. We call it the ministry of presence. Just being there, being available. Apostle Paul says it this way, be willing to carry someone else's burdens. In this, you fulfill the law of Christ, practicing presence, giving people your attention, letting them know that you're available, especially when they're going through a dark season of time. I would tell you that if you need a tangible way to be a light in a dark world today, I would tell you that maybe one of the most tangible, probably one of the most Christ-like ways that you can be a tangible light in someone else's life is to actually show up for them in their darkest hour to be willing to get wet if it's raining in somebody else's life. I would tell you that maybe the best reflection of light, if we're looking and modeling the life of Jesus that we could ever be for someone else is actually just stepping into someone else's personal darkness. Jesus did that. He stepped out of heaven and into darkness into this world, not well, let me say it differently, not just this world's darkness, listen to me, he stepped into your personal darkness. And he died for it. And because he died for it, and because he walked out of a very dark tomb and defeated death, you now get to walk with the light of the world even in your darkest hour. That the light of the world exists in you and he says he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. All you have to do is give him your life and you'll never be alone. That his presence will always be with you. And church, it's my hope that that's enough to motivate all of us to want to invite a little bit more of his light into our lives so that we can be illuminated for other people's darkness. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to lead us into a little bit longer of a response time today where I want us to reflect on what we've discussed this morning. Let me pray. God, we want your light. We want your light to shine within us. God, we want to give you more space for more of your light to enter within us, but we know it's going to take some work on our part. And even though you came and you got rid of spiritual darkness for us by defeating death, there's still worldly darkness that we allow to enter into our lives because of what we allow our eyes to see. Father, will you help us? Would you give us your presence and your power to pay more attention to what we're paying attention to and that we would be motivated, we would be motivated to start bridling our eyes more often and holding our eyes more accountable to what we're allowing them to consume because if we're not careful, what we consume will consume us. And we don't want darkness to consume us, God. We want your light to consume us. God, we see it. There is so much darkness around us. And if our little bit of light can make a difference, God, I pray that we would all be motivated to grow it to allow it to become brighter and that we wouldn't ever feel the need to hide it. Yes, speaking up more often may not make us more popular, but Father, I believe it'll make us more effective. Speaking the name of Jesus, showing people Jesus, helping people to see there is a better way in this dark and despairing world at times. Would you, would you meet us right now? Father, in this moment where we're about to enter into this response time, would you remind us of your very real presence in our lives? For those that have maybe gone through a painful season of life and didn't have anybody else show up for them, Father, I pray that they would receive just